Regal Movie Masters. Unlimited. This is a Regal Movie Masters Unlimited podcast where we can be screaming and watch every goddamn movie that comes out at the local theater. Your movie masters today are Justine. Hi. Brent. Cheese. Dylan. Sorry. What's Hi. up? And uh, and I'm Colin. Uh, today we got we got four movies on the docket. We're dealing with uh, Jules, The Last Voyage of Demeter, Shortcomings, and Dreamin' Wild. But before we get into any of that, we need to address some emails. And we have an email this week from Andrew Spann, who has given us permission to use his name. That is our policy here. Andrew says, I've been listening since about the third week of the show and have been meaning to get to sending an email for a while. Y'all's show has quickly become a part of my weekly routine and has encouraged me to watch as many movies as I can in solidarity. <laughs> I get so happy when people like listen cool. to us on yeah. regularly. Yeah. It is kind of weird. I mean, not to get too uh, you know, self-reflective here or anything, but it's like there's things I listen to on a regular basis. It's weird that I am <laughs> someone else's thing they listen to. Or us, rather. He continues. If you, <laughs> I thought it was over. I thought that was the whole email. Yeah, me too. <laughs> okay. oh. Anyways, Jules is your first movie. <laughs> he continues at a, for the animation request, of which I am taking seriously. I have two backlog now. I am going to address them. I might actually very soon. But he wants the Cloverfield reboot animated. Oh, dang. Ooh, animated? <laughs> Not the whole movie, just our discussion of it. The clip. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. Yeah. That's a good request. It's a good pull. We're yeah. going to actually get on that. And he uh, recommends and would like a discussion of uh, the Akiva Schaefer movie Hot Rod, which I think okay. is, I think we could do. I think yeah, that's, an, that's do that. such an easy pitch. I think we could get that done sooner than later. Mm-hmm. So there we go. They, they, very nice to hear from you, Mr. Spann. Appreciate the kind words. If you have any words, kind or otherwise, to direct to us, uh, it's uh, moviemasters760 at gmail.com. That's moviemasters, plural, 760 at gmail.com. As always, every movie we're talking about upcoming, this is your spoiler warning. We spoil everything. So if you don't like that sort of thing, you know, maybe come back later after you see the movie or maybe you listen to it on a movie you don't care about. You have options. I'm just telling you. <laughs> No judgments. We don't judge anything except for movies like our first one on the docket, Jules. Uh, this is a movie directed by Mark Turtletaub, who has uh, he directed a movie called Puzzle, which now I really want to see because mm. I really like this movie. Um, he produced uh, the Honeymooners remake, which I just think is really funny. He produced <laughs> a bunch of stuff. You know, that does make a little bit of sense, though. And uh, he did, he direct, he produced uh, Little Miss Sunshine, our idiot brother. He did a bunch of movies. I just think it's really funny to bring up the Honeymooners remake because mm. when was the last time he thought about the Honeymooners remake from the 2000s? Uh, it is written by uh, Gavin Steckler, who hasn't done a whole lot. Uh, other than this, which is pretty impressive because this is a, a fun little script. So the, 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 the plot of the movie goes, you got this uh, old fella, Milton, played by Sir Ben Kingsley. He awakens one day in the middle of the night. They do some preliminary stuff where he, they're showing he's a, a solitary man. He's living a, a quiet life. Alzheimer's is like tapping him on the shoulder. It's not like he's in the full thralls, but it's just like, hey, y'all know what's coming, right? And uh, he's got family issues, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a lonely man. He's a lonely old man living alone. 
And uh, he's all of a sudden, a crash, boom, outside of the window. He looks, and a classic model UFO has yes. crashed. A flying saucer UFO. In yeah. his backyard. And uh, yeah, when I say classic model UFO, I mean like draw UFO <laughs> in five <laughs> seconds. <laughs> Whatever you draw, that's what has crashed in his backyard. And of course, he's uh, you know perplexed about this, and he tries telling some people like, "Hey, there's a flying saucer in my backyard." And they're like, "Oh, you're you're so Alzheimer's poor out." Man. Yeah, poor guy. Oh man, he's really going through it, right? And then the next day, he sees this alien, like <laughs> like uh, kind of um, falling out of the ship, basically, or crawling out of the wreckage of this classic model UFO. There's a classic model alien too, as in, if I were to say, "Draw a little alien," <laughs> you have five seconds. What you would draw would be very similar to uh, this uh, character who is later named Jules, but never given a proper name. Yeah. Um, it is played by uh, Jade Kwan. And in like classic model prosthetics too, like mm-hmm. very uh, just, you know, it's not like CGI stuff. It is just, you know, foam and paint and, mm-hmm. you know, does a great job, has a presence, dead silent, you know. Um, and I guess... For lack of the better words, the tone of this movie, I would put like as very like Spielbergian, a lot of uh, batteries not included or E.T., that kind of feel, uh, both in theme and in tone, because it's like a very wholesome movie mm-hmm. without being like too saccharine. He kind of captures, I think, that magic that a lot of those 80s movies have. Um, as the movie progresses, he, some of the other uh, senior folks in the uh, town that he meets at the um, city hall meetings. He'll go to city hall meetings and air his grievances out and some other uh, older folks there, uh, such as Joyce, played by Jane Curtin of SNL fame. Shout out to a legend. And Sandy, played by Harriet Sansom Harris. They link up with him and he's like, yeah, I got an alien in my backyard. And they're like, you don't, don't say crazy shit like that. And he's like, all right. And it's so funny because he never tries to like convince everyone. Yeah. He's not like, oh, yeah, come over and see this right now. Or like filming it and broadcasting. He's just like, all right. And he goes home. And, you know, while the whole world is thinking he's crazy, he's trying to figure out how to help this little uh, lost alien fella. Uh, I'm going to call it a fella. It is, you know, they do. Yeah. They call him he. I'll call him he. Um, he brings him water, slowly tries to figure out a way to get him to eat. Talks to him a bunch, but there's it's not really like a communication thing. There's not a point where he's, you know, breaking out the chalkboard and is like, you know, I am me and you, none of that. It's Mercifully. Just, yeah. It is just, you want to watch TV? Okay, here's a TV. Here's why I like uh, CSI. It's a cool show. It always surprises me. This goes on for a while, and they, I think this is like one of the smartest things about this movie is that for a while, you, the viewer, could kind of believe that this is all a figment of his imagination, A, because it's absurd, of course. You know, classic model UFO, a classic model alien. You never see anyone else see him until they do. And it's almost like, even though you've seen the alien, you've seen the ship, the way just the movie is filmed, it's like, oh, it really is real. Like, it's someone's, <laughs> you know, uh, I think uh, Sandy, his friend, is the first to see it. And once she confirms it, in a way, you, the viewer are also getting confirmations like, oh, this is really happening. Mm-hmm. Although I, I bought in right away because I want to believe. Right, so of course. Yeah. And even if they are trying to do like a, like what was it, like the WB Dancing Frog kind of thing mm-hmm. where it's like only, you know, the only <laughs> yeah. alien's only there if someone else isn't. Like even if they were trying to do that, by the time his friend shows up, it's like, 
oh, okay. <laughs> this is like, <laughs> this is just one for one. What we're seeing on screen is real. And she's just like, okay, first of all, we're on lockdown now. Like, don't go telling other, don't be as free speaking about uh, this alien as you were at the city hall meeting because you've seen what happens to aliens in movies right so she said yeah. it's a world in which all of these movies have <laughs> taken place and they're treating that as if it's like fact yeah yeah. Like, yeah you've seen the movies you know what they do to these guys and um you know slowly they, they he builds a bond with the little fella and goes from there the the other lady joyce jane Curtin, she's a classic model snoop I say classic model a lot because guess what? There's a lot of classic model behavior in this film. And uh, she's snooping around. She sees the alien. Now she's in on it. And she's surprisingly cool. You keep expecting her. They're playing her up like she's, you know. Snitch. Yeah, or someone that's just going to be like, you know, jealous of the alien and want to like get him arrested or something. But she's like, all right, cool. Yeah, I agree. We shouldn't tell anyone. (laughs) I think that's what's so refreshing about the movie is the whole thing is the swerve because like it avoids what you think you're going to see the entire time. Like, yeah, because like you said, it sets up Jane Curtin to be a snitch. As we got close to the end of the second act, I'm like, oh, no, they got to do something to take the alien away or like thwart the plan, you know, of the alien to get off the planet. No, it doesn't happen. So, yeah, yeah, I thought it was cool. And the swerve comes by just, I don't know, in a way acting normal instead of like, Mm -hmm. because everyone kind of acts weirdly the way you might react if an alien (laughs) popped up in your backyard and no one else noticed you'd be like hey you want something to eat like i don't apple yeah (laughs) you're like yeah i don't think we should tell anyone about you like like is he dangerous he doesn't seem dangerous (laughs) yeah he's slowly working on his vehicle you know he's always like repairing it and kind of like you know it, it gets a little more complicated he's like looking for parts and or fuel which uh, and, he, and he gives them the quest to find the fuel. It's there's there's some like MacGuffins to go after and whatnot. There's like suspense, you know. There's because the government is yep. looking for the an alien, so you know it, it. That's like the ET thing, right? They got to get the ET out of there before the government finds out and everything. But I don't know. It's just handled in such a fun way. All the characters and all the actors kind of create good characters. Uh, I would also give a pinch of a man called Otto on in this one because yep. it's like a, it's the kindness fantasy, mm-hmm. <laughs> like instead of the power fantasy where you you know beat the bad guy over the head. It's like what if you were just like we're in a situation where you could just be cool <laughs> to someone that needed help. That's a little bit distressing <laughs> in one way because it's like there's su- it stands it, out when one shows up right yeah. it suggests that you know just as one cannot fly in real life like yeah. maybe if they're portraying it as a fantasy in a movie it's like one can't just be fucking cool to another person or being that needs help just for the sake of kindness and so it's on a meta level kind of distressing that you have to go to the movies to see that portrayed but it's also kind of rewarding to see it and yeah again everyone kind of does and by my estimation a, a real bang up job of, uh, portraying this kindness and you, you believe that they want what's best for jules this silent prosthetic monster <laughs> monster. Well, absolute monster not unless well he's got powers monstrous powers if you cross him or the ones he's close with. Yeah. He blows up people's heads. He has he that blew, power. He blew up one head. Two. <laughs> well, he didn't blow up the head. He just 
just killed. Yeah, he he he, <laughs> he uh, euthanized. Yeah, yeah, euthanized know. one, but then blew up the head of another. Yeah, yeah. they he had it coming. Yeah, he was a bad bad dude, but <laughs> still, uh, you know, you, there's something endearing about the way the character, the Jules character, presents himself. I don't know if you guys. I've seen the viral videos. Of I have some of the most clever marketing I've ever seen. Well, out of enthusiasm, when we got out of that movie, I had to find the Jules Instagram. <laughs> so I was look, looking through it, and I found the viral marketing, and I shared it on our podcast account. And then the studio shared it, and I got really excited, <laughs> like almost immediately. <laughs> right? Just like, whoa! Somebody is watching because, like, the Jules account had at the time like 140 followers. Yeah, so it's a very small production, very small endeavor. But uh, yeah, like it wasn't really marketed. You know, it, it just wasn't in your face all the time. You know, so like, th- like I didn't know what this movie was until we sat down and watched it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was cool, like getting to see that they tried to do some some viral marketing in New York, which is also known as the Big Apple, which hey. plays a key role in uh, in, in the movie itself. Um, I did like the the medium key shout shout out to Alf, you know, for, right. for like needing cats. cats. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 but it was a different different purpose. Like Alf eats the cats. This particular alien mel- melds the cats <laughs> down into a power source for the, the UFO. You didn't know Alf was a was a cat gobbler. No. Yeah, that's that a big horrible. thing. Yeah. Was that his main? I think he just ate whatever. But would he just he really liked cats. He really yeah. wanted to eat cats. Yeah. yeah. But I don't think he could only eat cats. They didn't need to like go to go to the kitty shelter every week. Was this like it was like a joke, like a regular thing, or is it just like some lore? Almost every episode, he'd be he'd be chasing a cat. Come here, uh. kitty, kitty, kitty! And then a cat runs away. Alf, you can't do that. Oh, fuck you! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm hungry. And sometimes the censors would miss the f bomb, you know, so you'd actually yeah. hear it. It was weird as an eight year old. Suck man. my balls! <laughs> I want to eat this cat. Yeah. For everyone's cool with this. Yeah. Why are you being a bitch? <laughs> Pretty wild. <laughs> you said, "What? Why don't you? You saw some of the this marketing. Why don't you describe the marketing? I don't think we made that clear. Oh uh, Dylan, yeah, we should get into that. I don't. I don't even know if I really saw marketing as much as like. Uh, I will say, I was on TikTok in my car, like before walking into the theater. Humble brag. Humbly <laughs> bragging. Um, before walking in, I, I stumbled upon a video. Of what I thought was a guy dressed like an alien walking around like a mall or something. And I was like, oh, that's funny. This guy is just like dressed as an alien. He looks all crazy looking. And yeah, the crowd of people like. Yeah. And it was also funny because it was like low quality video. Like it wasn't like HD, like a, like an iPhone 10. It looked like a a flip phone. Yeah. And also it's like, come to see Jules opening now. No, nothing. I knew nothing. So I didn't even like think about that alien was going to be what I saw on a bigger screen and in like high definition as a full fleshed out character with motivation yeah, and yeah. wants and I was like I, was like, I saw arc. this alien like 20 minutes ago on my phone and I had no idea that this alien was going to appear for the next hour and a half of my life <laughs> um, that's the only bit of like anything about this movie I think the smile last year kind of had something similar right they had people oh, smiling oh, they all had crazy people at, uh, major league baseball games sitting yeah. behind home plate doing something. but like that's like this is actually like part of a bigger thought that I had about the movie where it's like I felt at no point did a studio executive have any say in the making of this movie aside from maybe financials because right. when you watch it like all these ideas 
It made me think of uh, the Devil Conspiracy, where you're watching it, you're going, "Okay, yeah, yeah <laughs> I'm along for this ride. This is absurd and weird and crazy, and I love it." And I feel like no suit really touched the actual creative yeah. in this because it felt very pure and very unadulterated. And I was like, okay, does that make a movie better? I'm like, well, not necessarily because we really like, for instance, Guardians 3, right. where you know every single syllable is poured over and run by you yeah. know focus groups and board of directors and all that sort of thing. So it's like, I think it comes down to scale. Like if you have like a modest budget movie like this, leave the creatives to be, you know what I mean? But yeah, if you do have like a... $300 million movie, yeah, maybe have some eyes looking over it to make sure it's not going off the rails. Yeah, and I think that's sort of why you want smaller budget movies. I was thinking about yeah. that when, like, I don't know, I found myself very invested in the whole, like, every movie is bombing narrative, which is kind of true, um, that came yeah. out. Like, the pre-Barbie one, where it was, like, The Flash, like, killing yeah. WB. Um, I think there was, like, a handful of Disney movies that were pretty much eating shit there's a lot of like all the streaming networks are losing right. eating shit yeah, yeah, yeah and part of me was just like why am i invested in this why am i rooting for this and i think the best way i could figure out to justify it is well if they stop doing 300 million dollar movies because yeah, they all yeah. fail because they all have to be created by a committee and made with every international market and every demographic mm -hmm. in mind so they just have this very homogenized land feel to them if you can return to movies like this that are smaller budget, but still, you know, crowd pleasers, this is, again, a, to me, classic Spielberg style mm -hmm. storytelling, you know, and very 80s feeling in terms Absolutely. of like, yeah. you know, everything we're referencing is ALF and E.T. and stuff like that. I think there's a reason for that. Um, but yeah, you can get away with being kind of fucking weird. Like it's legitimately it's, weird. It's like weird. Yeah. yeah. It's weird to be crowd pleasing in this old timey way on like an independent scale mm -hmm. that's odd it feels everything yep. about this movie feels like yeah joyfully odd mm -hmm. <laughs> but i don't know i was like caught off guard like i was just smiling the entire time watching oh, yeah. this movie it's just uh just a joy to see and that i guess it's just that human element to it like all the characters are fun to watch you yeah. know and have skill i guess and yeah i don't know every every everything uh Definitely came together on this one, right? Yep. It was funny, and it was surprising to see something that was funny after watching Theater Camp, which was very funny. Right. It's like, oh, there's movies can be funny. Yeah, but it also <laughs> wasn't like a comedy comedy. It's just, you know, humor arose from the situation. The absurdity of the situation, yeah. But no, I get, I get what you're saying, though. Like when he first hits the city hall and he unfurls his yeah. dialogue and it's uh, just the way he says everything is you know slow and paced and it's like yeah a little bit smarter comedy than some of the more broad humor you'll see understated how about that yeah you know what i'm thinking right now it kind of reminded me of like a comic strip like that kind of humor right right it's like well i mean some of it you have to see or hear because it's like timing and stuff but other parts of it are just kind of quips or something you think a family circus you go in uh no, damn it that's the first one i thought of i'm so something mad like at you yeah <laughs> like a calvin and Hobbes. imagine like calvin is talking about a spaceship and people are like okay whatever but then it's real okay or about Hobbes, i guess but a spaceship yeah it has that feel to it to me i like that there's like you know, I said it's not a depressing family drama, but it also kind of is like this whole thing with him and the um, the onset of dementia and all and his like uh, issues with his kids. Like that is all playing 
at the same time and equal at equal volume to this alien story, but they don't really intersect. Like, you know, nope. I, I already put the spoiler here. Like he doesn't give him the cure for dementia. Uh, his family isn't, doesn't like meet the alien and decide to change their opinion about the guy. Like, these are completely compartmentalized stories <laughs> that happen autonomously from each other. And like, they're both somehow very satisfying. I did like the uh, underground representation of the government. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. That thing goes down forever. So, I love Yeah. Uh, yeah I, even like the, the sparing use of CG in it, particularly yeah. with the UFO. And of course being a, an old fuddy duddy, I want I would have liked to see like, you know, a fishing wire, green screen That'd UFO cool. lifting yeah. up. Of course. Cause they were basically there. They could have gone no CG. Very easily. Movie, yeah. Very easily. But I, I gave it a pass only cause all the, the, the few CG moments they did use reminded me of uh, men in black. Yep. <laughs> which ties in with the <laughs> yeah. government underground thing, which maybe is a, uh, uh, what do they call that? A sneak diss on the budget of the film. Cause yeah. it definitely doesn't yep. look like cutting edge, but that's obviously like not the point. It's all about the, you know, that's I guess story. personal relationship between Jules and um, the folks in the movie and uh, the Jules, the alien itself just being pure rubber foam. I just, you know, a small tear coming out of my eye, just mm-hmm. so overjoyed to see that. It's a blue makeup. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, small person. Does it look like a person that's dressed like an alien? Yes. <laughs> Do I give a shit? No, it doesn't affect the story at all. We don't need to have like every alien look like a PS3 cutscene, like high def rendered walking through the, the Smooth world. Like for some reason. Bro, like just fucking get that fulsome. <laughs> Makeup? Yeah, think about how wildly popular <laughs> the serialized early version of Star Trek was, and like the the prosthetics there. It was yeah. very simple. That had to turn out episode after episode, so they weren't like yeah doing CG or doing crazy detail. It's just like eh, put on a rubber mask. And this movie is a testament to like if you have a good story and you have good talent, you don't need all of that. The razzle dazzle of the effects and everything, and yeah, this movie has no like big standoff moments or like you know huge explosions or anything it's for having being an alien movie it is very quiet and um very understated loved it do you think uh the same people that did the makeup for the alien in this one were the same people that did the aliens in uh scary movie three you know i'm going to defer to my friend who's an expert on, uh, on these sort of things like my friend who has a deep knowledge about like the scary movie universe let me let me let me hit him up real quick. Hey Dylan. Oh, it's me. Yeah, I thought you were gonna say Justine. No, it's you. Oh. Um, do you do you know if the people who did the makeup for this alien? Are oh, the I don't same know. That's why I asked you. Scary Movie Three. They were. Uh, it was a rip of sight signs signs, and they had aliens, but they're just like little gray men. <laughs> they didn't even bother. Yeah, them. no, there was no like big alien. They were just like little gray men and like uh, like foam. And I think there's like people in the costumes. Smart way to go. Just do that. All you got to do. And I remember those aliens more than I do the science alien. <laughs> no, well, the science alien's only on for like one second or something. Right? Uh, no, because they, when they attack the science men. Another movie this year where they, instead of going, well, they, there was CG, but they had an actual human playing Megan. Yeah, yeah. As a human. Get a kid and dress yeah. him up like a robot. And if we're bringing up this and Alf, I got to bring up Megan in Small Wonder. That's right. All the depressing shows from my youth are there's DNA straggling yeah. through in the 2023 film lineup. Small Wonder is a show. Yeah, she was. You the, didn't see? How did you I not see Small I, Wonder? I've never heard of Wait, this Small, before. The, well, Small Wonder is yeah, she was a little robot girl. 
Spend a day with I Small Wonder and Alf. And then, um, <laughs> and what was it like to swing on a star one? Oh, that was a cool one, though. What was that one know. called? I don't remember. That's a good one. She has powers. That's a raven. <laughs> no. She has powers because like her dad is an alien or like an interdimensional All being. All I can think of is something. bewitched. Out of this world. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And yeah, that's the one where the girl, I get that one in Small Wonder confused. Small Wonder is just a, a classic model robot. Uh, out of this world, she freezes time. But I somehow have my wires crossed where the robot can freeze time. I find that very <laughs> difficult to believe. Yeah. There's one where I think they got her hooked on drugs. The doll? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I remember that. They gave her, because like the, the the drug guy, he was like, we'll give you one for free. She's like, does not compute. And then uh, she got hooked on <laughs> drugs. The robot. I'm it, fairly it, certain. It was a very special episode yeah. of A Small Wonder. Yeah, drugs are really bad. They yeah. get robots. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was peak just say no campaign. So, yeah, you had to like really show the kids what was up. Yeah, that's funny. They lived in like the suburbs and shit. And there was like other kids selling drugs. Like a, like a, like a, there was like a fifth grader and like the sixth grader was yeah. the drug dealer. Yeah. <laughs> real, real hustler on the suburbs. Well, and I want to know more about this doll, but um, uh, she was pretty cool. Mm. Vicky yeah. is it the Vicky? Good poll. Anywho, so yeah, Vicky is Megan and mm. Alf is Jules. And it can... except Jules doesn't say anything and is very polite. Yeah, Alf is a fucking dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> Alf is a, a unrepentant misogynist. Yeah, he's definitely a misogynist. Yeah, he really is. <laughs> he said some horrible shit. Bit of a bit. <laughs> give us some quotes. Oh, you really gonna dredge that up? Yeah, I want to hear some that, quotes. Get in the kitchen, bitch. Make me a cat. <laughs> yeah, see? Yeah. And, and he's not even a cat sandwich. Just make a cat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Make a cat. Manifest it. Put on something less <laughs> slutty and make me a cat. Why did they let this play in the in that time in it was, ABC? It's or whatever. So they were trying to chase that Andrew Dice Clay thing. Oh, like, yeah, you know. Ford Fairlane is doing that numbers. Episode where so. he had that leather jacket. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, an Alf man. Jerky Boys was like the number one record. Hickory Dickory Doc. <laughs> <laughs> I won't do the rest. It's Please don't. Very, do the rest. He worked very blue. Yeah, yeah. You think he went away? Oh, you you think he did not? Do you think um, the Mandarin went away, went away at the end? You think he got on the ship at the end? Yeah. Do you think he got in? The oh, ship at the end? yeah. Okay. So one of the conflicts of the film is the the alien guy. He's like, "Hey, you want to go with me?" Because he's going to head off, and he he's grown so fond of the people he's with on Earth, and he kind of gives like the come come along motion to him, and um, Ben Kingsley's like, "I might, I might fuck around." Um, and then, uh, yeah, the, the Ben Kingsley guy's like, oh, I was thinking of going on account of, you know, I'm kind of losing my brain and I want my family to remember me like this instead of like how bad I might get. So yeah, I'll go with you, whatever. Um, but then he's like, actually, nah, never mind. I got to deal with it. <laughs> I still got to be with my family. Like my home's on earth. So I'm going to finish life on earth. And then, so the last shot, um, is basically him, uh, alone at home. And, like, obviously he's got, like, it seems like he's gotten a little worse because it's, like, you know, let's just say an amount of time later. And um, he's by himself, and you just see the lights of the alien coming down, like, to visit him again. And then it's, like, credits, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and so the question is, do you think he just got on the second time? I was like, all right, now I'm ready. Yeah. No. I think, he's, I think, I he, think maybe. You just want him to do it, though. Yeah. Maybe because <laughs> I would do it. All right. Would you have gone? No, 
I got too much shit to deal with. You're selling laser discs. I know. And people expect that shit to go through, and I have 100% seller rating. You think I'm going to fucking slack off on that? Valid fucking pull enough. Justine, would you have gotten on the ship? Yeah. I think I would have too. And then I probably would have, like, a little later been like, can you take me back home? Apparently, he can just visit Earth whenever he wants. Yeah, so I guess it's not that stressful. But he's not thinking about the long run. He needs trees and oxygen. Do you have something for me to eat? Do you have water? water. <laughs> but if the alien is able to breathe on Earth, maybe it, it... They got different lungs. See, and this is why this is a good movie, because they don't bother getting into yeah. any Science of this physics. bullshit. Yeah. No fucking, like, their, their, their atmosphere is similar to ours. He uses multidimensional travel with the... No, it's fucking... He's just there. Flying saucer. <laughs> Crash. He drinks water? <laughs> yep. He could, technically. He could drink apples, water. Yep. yes. Yep. Eat spaghetti. No. Yeah, there was a, yeah, there was that period. That yeah, was he, a funny scene. He was, was eating like, spaghetti with the group, and he ate it faster than everybody because, like, when it showed his plate, it was just empty while everybody else had a full plate. <laughs> so sick. I and, like the uh, uh, the shirts they put him in. That's a good. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's such a like easy send up for comedy because he's running around naked the whole time, <laughs> and they give him these shirts with silly uh, slogans on them. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, running around like half naked with a shirt that says, I'm not a lesbian, but my girlfriend is. And then the lady <laughs> that gave him the shirt has to explain the joke to Ben Kingsley. That's a funny moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so overall, are we saying that uh, Jules is a gem? Or is it, uh, does this thing need to go back to Mars? I think this is a gem. Jules is a gem. A uh, completely... Catching you off guard, delightful film. Uh, I don't know any, any other way to say it other than like odd and great. Very easy to watch and fun. You know what? This might be magic. This might be a little pinch of uh, movie magic on this one. I'll, I'll give it that. Good job. It's a charming movie. It was very much a surprise. It was good. It was fun. It was short and uh, a good time. Movie's definitely a gem. I'd pair it with either The Devil Conspiracy or A Man Called Otto to get a nice uh, different view of 2023 in movies. This is one of those ones that was just, while you're watching it, it felt like The Devil Conspiracy. We were like, oh my God, this movie is not what I was expecting it to be. And it's, I don't know, it, it was exciting to watch um, because it, it was funny when it intended to be, but it was also funny when it didn't intend to be. Um, and just, I don't know, it, it, like I said, it just didn't feel touched by suits and ties, you know, or, or people that are just are worried about the bottom line per se. I think they just made art and that was really cool. Uh, yeah, I would say this one's a gem, uh, walking in blind other than that Ben Kingsley and Jane Curtin was in it. Um, I couldn't believe the alien for like at least a solid 10 to 20 minutes after they showed him. Like I kept laughing at it just out of like pure joy. Because I wasn't like yeah. I was not expecting, because he's he, he they first show him on the ground and I was like what the fuck is going <laughs> he's on? He's got a dead alien. Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> and then once he like gets off the ground, you see his face and he's all like you know cool looking. I like was just like, I don't know what the word is. I don't want to say smitten. What's the word I'm That's thinking? That's perfect of? word. I don't know. Anyway, I was, every yeah. time I saw him on the screen. I was like, oh, what, this is actually happening? Like, this is a fucking movie? <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah, okay. So, yeah, I can't speak for Dylan. Yeah, so yeah this like, had that devil conspiracy, like, holy shit, this movie is really doing this? Yeah, like, <laughs> for the first 10 to 20 after showing that alien. Like, they're, they were constantly showing the alien. I, I still couldn't believe what I was looking at. And I was, like, really happy. 
I was happy the whole thing was calm, like no loud explosions. Uh, the one guy's head explodes, but they it's off screen. Um, you know, and everything about it was just, you know, I liked it a lot. Yeah, I liked this movie a lot. The Last Voyage of Demeter is directed by Andre Overdahl. Uh, he did uh, scary stories to tell in the dark with uh, the homie GDT. Really? Yeah, and he did uh, Troll Hunter and a handful of other movies. Written by Zach Olkowitz. What did he write that we've seen and reviewed on the show? Bullet Train. What? That makes sense. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, co-written by uh, Braggy F. Shoot, who did the Ninjago series. Huh. Lego? Yes. Hell yeah. Like a hundred plus episodes he's credited on. <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. So Legend. he's tired. Got it. It makes sense. <laughs> uh this is a movie. So the the Demeter. This let's just come out and say this is a very poorly named movie. If you want if you want people to see a Dracula movie. If you want if you made a Dracula movie, you would want to say like Dracula colon yeah. <laughs> The Last Voyage of Demeter or Dracula colon blood voyage or something like that something that would say the arrival yeah dracula his his uh, american vacation <laughs> whatever it is you would want something in the title to say dracula so if you haven't missed it the voyage last voyage of demeter is a movie about uh taken from and it is literally credits this in the uh film uh the like chip logs the, yeah of the ship in bram stoker's dracula that carried dracula from uh point a to point b how many pages in bram stoker's dracula does this log take it's like four pages and it is really weird in a movie to say inspired by the specific four yeah. pages <laughs> that are in a book the fourth through the seventh paragraph of the third chapter it, it's almost like they dracula. maybe looked at something like rogue one they're like oh that was just a casual line from a new hope and they made a whole movie out of it now we should do a, a dracula i, I mean like, but i feel like the nose for the og like silent movie nose for like a lot of that takes place on a boat right yeah maybe they're just like oh, let's expand on that and this is like kind of a nose dracula he's like not all sexy He's like a, a little monster, a little Speak rat for yourself, monster. buddy. Um, <laughs> and he's uh, he he's on the ship, and I was thinking it is kind of a slasher, technically, like yeah, one by one, formulaic. Yeah, the different uh, ship members get taken down, but I guess it's also not like a slasher because it's not like oh they were morally corrupt and so they got eaten. It's like no, this motherfucker's eating everyone. Little kid, he fucking murk a kid in a slasher movie. You don't really see that often. Makes sense because Dracula needs a crew to get him to the to the ship, so he can't just eat everyone at once. But uh, slowly but surely, he 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 picks his crew off. Um, admittedly, I'm I'm partial to really boring Dracula movies. I just like them. I don't care. <laughs> it's kind of like like uh, this is a pretty boring movie, but it's my kind of boring. Like it takes itself okay. seriously. Like there's no reinvention of the wheel there's not like a pastiche of like this isn't your granddad's dracula it's like no there's a dracula he's on a ship he's eating people gobble gobble i'm, I'm glad you said that because that's my assessment too is that it's the most boring movie i've seen all year but it's not because it's bad and it's not because it's good it's just extremely boring it's rote it's it's just i mean you know what's going to happen from the first frame essentially oh yeah it's a i mean again i haven't seen nosferatu in a hell of a long time mm -hmm. but i recall no one shows up on the ship when it lands right right and i don't i never read the 
never read the book, the Dracula book, or the four pages of the Dracula book of which <laughs> yeah, this yeah. two-hour movie is based on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is kind of hard to get invested in something where you're like, oh, he they're they're stuck on a boat with a guy who's way stronger than them. They have no like weaknesses. It's not like, hey, you gotta. If you get this trick just right, you can beat the bad guy. It's like, yeah. no, he's going to eat y'all. Yeah, we know the story. And in the, mo- the movie even starts with everybody being dead <laughs> and nobody yeah. on the ship. So it's like it, it kind of like sets what's going to happen before it even starts. Yeah, and I guess, they, yeah, they do. They frame it as, you know, two weeks earlier. <laughs> it's yeah. like, yeah, show, the movie opens with the ship crashing. Then they're reading the log. Maybe the, whoever wrote the movie thinks that that part of the book is like way more well known right, or like right. cherished. I was thinking that. I'm like, yeah, maybe they got the they had to put that title because they thought it would clue in people. Yeah, like it's real like, Dracula oh, heads. Yeah, Pull in the yeah. heads. Yeah. So it's like I don't have to say Dracula because it's not about Dracula so much as the voyage. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah, so you know, he's crashed and it's like two weeks earlier, four weeks earlier. And then the, you go back and they're loading up the boat. And then someone's like, I'm not getting on that boat. That's a Dracula sign on that box. Peace out. And then they're like, oh, well, we need another guy. And this guy who's like a Cambridge doctor from Britain who's there. He's like, I'll go with you. Again, I can get down with these kind of movies. Like an old Hammer horror movie, like that kind of pacing without any of the charm. Because this is, doesn't really look great, this movie. But it has that kind of just molten lava, slow, um, atmospheric, gothic, uh, you know, uh, tone to it. And I think they did that part right. I appreciated it. I don't think anyone else would. I don't think that's what like movie going audiences in 2023 are looking for. It's not a crowd pleaser. (laughs) Especially off the heels of like that Talk to Me movie, which was not necessarily a reinvention of horror in any stretch, but like a very fresh take, a very current take, a very like, uh, you know, uh, awe-inspiring take on the genre. And then you watch this movie that straight out, like I say 1996, but like 1966 like you could go yeah. far back with this script and like the techniques of it and everything and um the dracula when he shows up i don't think he looks that great it is just kind of like cg bat guy and he's like you know rips people's throats out it's it's gory like it's pretty explicit so when stuff happens it's it's there but it doesn't really affect you i guess like i didn't at feel, all yeah they show you know people on fire and you know a guy with his half his head burnt off all these animals with their throats ripped out and like it's pretty gruesome stuff they don't really shy away from it but there's something in the technique of it that doesn't feel like oh god no ah it's not really visceral i guess because yeah, it doesn't it for me anyway like I, I wasn't able to connect with any of the characters so when stuff happens i'm like yeah and they do make some attempt to like give the characters backstory, but it's in like such a formulaic. Yeah, I'm a doctor, and I want to know why bad things happen and uh, <laughs> good things have happened to other people. And I'm the world is as a vampire, and I want to see. It. The only thing I could say that's great about this movie, objectively, is that in the trailers they use that uh, "World Is a Vampire" song, and I would have fucking been so goddamn sad if they used like modern music in this, uh, you know, movie uh, that's oh yeah from a couple centuries ago. When does it take? What year is uh, Dracul? That I said eighteen ninety three, bro. Sure, I'll buy that. Far before Billy Corgan heard Marilyn Manson once and Prove wrote it. Uh, that stupid song. <laughs> I feel like the marketing for this movie 
it was wildly different from what the movie actually was. Yeah. It was a lot of like, it's a horror movie. It's a vampire. Right. That was the impression him. I got it too. It was like, yeah. okay, you know, another horror movie. And it's not. It is that like slow burn atmospheric type of movie that I think would disappoint anyone who was thinking Smashing Pumpkins uh, <laughs> vampire story. Yeah, I want to go to a movie and have fun. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. The funniest part of the movie for me was there was a point, like it was the exact point where I thought, oh man, they're not going to be able to have a woman in this movie. And then they just kind of like shoehorn in yeah. the stowaway. I'm like, oh, okay, that's how they do it. <laughs> yeah, because, well, it's it wasn't a stowaway so much as like Dracula brought like a little snack pack with him. Yeah. And it was a lady. And yeah. uh, the doctor guy finds a lady and he's able to de-Dracula-fy her with like blood transfusions, which is like... All right, sure. sure. <laughs> and everyone's yeah. like, you got to throw her over. Ladies are bad for the boat. It's bad luck to have a lady around. And he's like, my good sir, I will give this lady my cabbage. And they do that for like the whole movie. And uh, she's like vaguely helpful. She's like, now nah, this fool's going to fucking eat you guys. Like, you're not going to be able to win this. But they don't really give her, she's not like, sunlight, he hates it. Or like give him any pointers in beating the Dracula. She's just like, yes, you're dead. Have, have fun with this. <laughs> who's the Who's the guy that plays the captain? Uh, salty sea dog, Crunch, Leela. Captain Crunch, Stitch. <laughs> Does he play the slutty dragon in Rick and Morty? Wow, that'd be an incredible pull. Since you asked, uh, let's see here. Uh, so um, the the captain guy is Liam Cunningham, who has played over a hundred roles, including but not limited to Baltimore, uh, the <laughs> slut dragon in uh, in Rick and Morty. Okay, is an insane pull on your end, um, and not much else from what I can. Nothing, no, not much recognizable. Mm. So his main thing is captain on the last voyage of Demeter and uh, slut dragon from Rick and Morty. <laughs> okay, so he's a legend. Yeah. But he was good. And of course, we have Polka Dot Man. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Who, what's his name? Desmalchian. Yeah, a little, little angular face creep from, uh, from uh, Dark Boogie Knight. Boogeyman. Boogeyman, Dark, Dark Knight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Suicide Squad. Right. So it's not like... No, I don't think anyone did like a bad job in the movie, except for like you know maybe the effects artists, I guess. If you want to get technical, I didn't really like the look of... The of other things, but then the backgrounds like the ship look cool. Yeah. I was, I always uh bring up the immersion factor, like I did feel like I was uh back in an old timey, grimy old Jack the Rippery England times where Dracula's were running around, so you know, fine, but uh, yeah, it's, I mean. There was literally a guy in our theater falling asleep and snoring. snoring. For a second, I thought it was you because of the positioning. And I, and you, uh, you will never see me sleep in a movie, ooh. never. Okay, I'm not trying to like brag, <laughs> <laughs> but if I, if I sat through the machine, I'm gonna. Fucking... I think Dylan and I have slept <laughs> in movies that we've seen, <laughs> like um, little little tiny bits. I can't do. I'm like weird with sleep. Like that's why I'm. You know what? I will. There's few like things that I will be like. Yeah, I'm good at this. Like. You put me on a late night drive, like uh -huh. it's fucking on. We're not yeah. nodding off. We're not veering. No way. I mean, granted, I haven't been on like cross country road trips maybe in 
five years or more. Mm-hmm. So maybe I've I've crossed some sort of uh, threshold as far as like sleepy old man. I don't feel like it yet. I feel confident that I can stay awake. If you want me to go to sleep, it's a different fucking story. <laughs> as evidenced by the fact that this movie went on <laughs> for two hours and I never once uh, caught some Z's like that. Guy so I, yeah, I didn't see who who was sleeping. Can you describe his footwear to me? Oh, uh, it was it was absent, uh, bereft. <laughs> the man, the this poor man was bereft of footwear. I try not to be too judgy, but there is this guy who goes to a lot of these movies we watch, and he's got no shoes, and he pops his feet on on the uh, seat in front of him. And uh, phone just out illuminating. I, I did see his phone a lot. Yeah, I saw actually. You know what? To be fair, I saw a lot of people's phones right during this showing. Dylan, your shit was wild, right? Uh, yeah. So I did not watch it with these three. I watched it at Murder Mall. Ooh. Um, you can't say like outsider. That's that's inside baseball. No, there. but we've it's, okay. You we guys said it before. We just all said right, right. Andrew Andrew Span has listened since we. He knows three. about murder. He knows about murder. I'm just saying it's a yeah. little. Uh, all right, I watched it in another theater. There you go. You fucking. Anyway, so uh, it was packed. Um, I know the at the the mar. I was gonna bring this up, but Justine did. The marketing was done fucking unfairly because it was all teenagers like in the back two rows. Yep. And I was like, after the movie, I was like, man, that sucks. They just saw this movie, <laughs> and they did not want any of this, I'm sure. So let me let me paint a picture. I had to sit next to this guy who, and it, this is the movie with reclining chairs. He's reclined all the way out already, has this table in front of him, and just like a spread of like four different candy boxes. And they're not, like, stacked on top of each other. The only reason why I knew what he had was because they were all, like, uh, propped up. So you could see the <laughs> logos if you sat down, like, the whole entire front box. So, like, he's just there. Um, let me paint more of a picture right now. Go ahead, Rembrandt. Elaborate on your painting. So, like, uh, the row behind the front, um, this kid is, like, screaming the Regal ad that plays before. Like, no, all the quotes. he's not. You swear, didn't say this. Swear to God. So that kid is reciting. The movie starts, and as everyone knows who's listening right now, the movie starts with some narrator telling us the basic beginning of the movie or whatever. Like, 1993 or 1883, there's a boat named a meter, and there's an unlikely guest on it. That's how the movie starts. Some guy's talking. This guy that's next to me... With the candy spread, pulls out his phone, flash on, camera, record, start. I watched him do this. Starts to his right and then just like pans it all the way to the screen, like getting his like shoes in the mix. Like gets all the candy that he has in front of him and his shoes in the screen. And the kid that was screaming the quotes turns out, it's like, turn off your fucking light. And I'm like, I don't know what I should do. <laughs> like I got like so put on the spot for some reason I felt like. Like, can I just move? And I can't because the whole theater's packed. So that's happening. That guy's also, the entire time I'm watching the movie, just on his phone, not even watching the movie. (laughs) So what's with the filming in the... Never mind. I don't know. It's showing off. Well, yeah, it sounded like he was, like, recording something to, like, put on social media. You know, like, hey, look, I'm fucking balling out with four different types of candy. And the movie's starting and there's people here. And I'm watching the film of the year that everyone is talking about. The Last Voyage of Demeter with the guy that played Dr. Dre in it. Let's go. as another doctor. I only know that because you said it earlier. Yes. So, uh, and then, like, maybe two minutes after that happens, 
this couple comes in, sits right in front of me. And then, like, the way it looked was, like, uh, that meme of that guy yelling in that girl's ear in the bleachers. Yep. So, it's like, so let me tell you about this. Like, uh, like explain, yeah. meme, yeah. And uh, he, I hear him say stuff, like, it's about Dracula. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, <laughs> no. my fucking God. Like, I was like, it's one of these movies. Huh? One minute in after, like, hearing him say all this stuff to this girl, um, he pulls out his phone. Movies are already playing, like, uh, the doctors like in the line to get picked by the <laughs> by polka dot man and all this other stuff and yeah. like he takes out his phone and like <laughs> takes a selfie with the flash on. Shut up! Like and I'm like I'm probably in the picture. Like, oh I wish I knew God, where this dude. fucking picture was. <laughs> And I'm just like, why? What is this movie? Oh what the fuck is God. happening? Again, it's just not a like. I I give a pass to like you know you're watching a Star Wars movie in the theater and it's, it's an like event. opening night yeah, yeah, yeah. and you see the flash yeah. go off on the title screen. Any of those little Marvel movies, whatever. It, right? It's like yeah, yeah. geek stuff like that, or even like with the the Barbie thing that's happening right now. Like obviously sure. that's like a cultural phenomenon. It's like I'm here watching Barbie. Like sure, title screen flash. Not like 15 minutes into a movie. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> a movie called The Last Voyage of Demeter, which is about Dracula, which is... On a boat. <laughs> yeah. Being transported to London. <laughs> the thing I don't understand about the guy next to me is that he didn't take a photo. He took a video. So the, the lights were on for a solid like six seconds as That's he was like crazy. making this video. I didn't even know what to do. I was so flabbergasted. Again, you know? I just don't know the fantasy of like what props you're going to get being at this movie, unless you were like a hardcore Dracula enthusiast with fellow, and you're in like, uh, you know, social circles on the internet of other hardcore Dracula enthusiasts, in which case, wouldn't you want to watch the fucking movie instead of playing on your phone the whole time? There's like, any one of these things I could accept, but not all of them in conjunction with each other. Well, I'm just saying, I don't know who the fuck this movie was for in my crowd, because I don't <laughs> think anyone in my crowd gave a fuck. I think the issue is just that they didn't know what they were getting into. Again, from like That's the marketing and stuff, you'd yeah. think it was like one of these movies you want to get ahead of. It's like, oh, yeah. people saw Smile and they wanted to do this. People were, you know, uh, all about showing that you were at a movie. So if it sounded like Demeter was going to be like a big deal, you're like, I'm here, I'm watching it, opening weekend. <laughs> and then maybe you don't post it after you right, after actually you watch actually it. Watch the movie. Meanwhile, yeah. they probably missed Talk to Me. Or like, I don't know, maybe I my theory is that they saw Talk to Me and yeah. they saw see, you know, Megan and all the fun. Like, oh, horror movies are fun. Yeah. I'm going to go watch the fun horror movie that's happening. I, I'm not going to miss out this time. And then. Dang it. <laughs> and on the wrong horse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, the marketing doesn't help. Like, like we're saying, yeah. the fucking world is a vampire. That does crazy. not help anything about that film. No. They should have been boring. The way I thought about this film, that trailer was probably like for people that saw like that, uh, the invited or whatever. What's the Dracula oh, dinner party? Yeah, invitation. the invitation. Invitation, yeah. which was great. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure people saw it like that. Like, oh shit, there's gonna be a fucking bat. So do you think it was an outright bait and switch? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I just say, I just think it's like right now horror movie equal fun in theater, which for the most part has been true, mm-hmm. except for this movie, which is no not fun. A, yeah. yeah, this yeah. is a this is like the the fundamentals. Yeah, this is like a this is like a November horror movie. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, like late November. <laughs> yeah. I feel you. Yeah. I, ha- I, w- I would say like a uh, straight to streaming movie, but at the same time, and I always say this, I'm glad I watched this in the theater because I didn't, if I had pulled out, oh, this God, movie dude. begs you to be looking at your phone. If only, if there wasn't like the panopticon of public shame on me, that only I feel. Apparently, we live in a fucking world of savages that doesn't give a shit about looking at their phone during a movie, but it, for myself to be on the side of a civilized folk i'm just too embarrassed or ashamed to bring out my phone while i watch these films and so like if the not being we are the only ones in the row where you could do that <laughs> yeah we always go to the back <laughs> but um yeah so i would uh if this were at home though oh my god i would see i wouldn't finish it <laughs> it would be two minutes of movie i would watch in the theater i have to say and i'm gonna like overall come out as like kind of positive on this movie despite um all my rage uh it was uh like the atmosphere kind of worked for me. The pacing kind of worked for me. Again, I like boring horror movies. I did find the theater experience enjoyable. If you're going to watch this movie, it's kind of like the theater is the way to see it. Just kind of treat it like an endurance run of, uh, you know, appreciating what they're trying to, trying yeah. to, trying see, to build. See if you can make it through the movie without taking out your phone. Impossible mode is at home. But if you have, if you ever stand a chance of achieving that very, very challenging, uh, accomplishment then the theater is going to be how you do it i think it helps because uh like when it's stormy you know you get like the big sound right right you get to see like the waves and everything it's cool on the big screen yeah ship stuff is all spooky you're just in the middle of a wooden vessel and the you know i i felt like where this movie failed to me is that i didn't feel like i was like terrified on a ship no no claustrophobia yeah i needed that and i don't know what it is like maybe they spent too much time talking to the people like with the characters right and less time like just showing them on deck sitting there yeah and then something moves there wasn't enough like suspense i think because there's also like a night day night day night day it's not and it doesn't it's not like it moves too quickly it's that like you don't spend a lot of time in the in the guts of the ship like really feeling again it's atmospheric but maybe not environmental like you don't really feel (laughs) boaty watching this (laughs) yeah i think that they kind of messed up by doing so much stuff in the daytime Mm -hmm. imagine if this movie was just one long night and everyone's getting picked off exactly that's what i thought it was going to be when the way it started you know because it was in the dark you know and rain coming and that was funny during that scene all i could think of was what kind of ink is that because it doesn't run too much when it's getting pelted by by water so you know i could have stood for a a more classic model dracula like good evening well you don't know he's a dracula until yeah or it's just like something mysterious is picking off the animals and they don't know what's going on like if you would have pretended to be a stowaway i don't even i see and i had a little bit of a back pocket uh wish for that that like the lady was the dracula and I she thought, was like yeah. a fooled you ah 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 but <laughs> yeah. uh, that didn't that didn't happen at all but no i just give the monster a personality other than ah yeah <sighs> he's just like bat boy yeah that's the whole thing of and that's that's why partially why i like dracula movies is like they're horny you know like as yeah. opposed to like 
so much horror movies this, are yeah. just asexual. You know, it's just like yeah. I'm a zombie and I'm gross. Dracula's like, sup? Ah. <laughs> uh, you <laughs> like cool. my couch? It's velvet. Yeah, I like it. So it's like, yeah, give me like, uh, give me, you know, Dracula. He's supposed to be cool. Yeah, give him some lines. Have him be a character, and then go from there. But just have. I mean, you could replace Dracula with like any kind of rabid animal, sea monster fill in the blank and it's the same story so it's like yeah give me the reason you go to see a dang dracula movie is for some robes and some you know wahahas yeah i mean justine just summed it up in like a sentence the thing that i've been like kind of thinking about over the past couple days I'm like why didn't that work for me dracula wasn't cool yeah mm-hmm. no personality just a naked little alien man in the trailers i thought like the bat was a dracula himself Thought it was like one of his little minions. Yeah. And then it turned out that was Dracula. So they, they like <laughs> spoiled the movie. It's so fucking so annoying. So overall, um, last voyage of Demeter is Drac back, or is this just a shipwreck? <laughs> also, I again, I I I fully acknowledge this is not like a movie for everyone, and it's not like I'm gonna enthusiastically come back and watch it over and over again. But like. I'm just being honest. I am the target demographic for this movie. Uh, I enjoyed it. It's boring as shit. It's molten slow, but I don't know. I just I'm a I'm a I'm a silly little man who likes that kind of um, atmospheric. Uh, I still call it a hammer horror pacing, if not really the look of it. Uh, whether or not that's accurate or not, yeah, I don't know. I liked it. Sorry, I don't think you will, but I did. <laughs> Um, I don't know. This movie is weird. I'm surprised hearing the credits of the people that worked on it because that other stuff is so a lot happens. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like very fast paced. A well, bullet stuff. train. It is about a vessel going from yeah, one place to another. Yeah, but it's it's like so fast paced and yeah, super hyper silly. and yeah, silly and even the scary story. Now I see why Guillermo del Toro was saying so many good things about this movie because the guy that worked with him on the right. uh, scary stories. And I guess I I feel like Crimson Peak was also kind of a uh, a hammer horror throwback. I keep, uh, you know, sticking with this hammer thing, but that was a movie that also had atmosphere and was really, oh, yeah, but was also a fucking banger. Yeah. And had just better characters. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's where I feel like this movie wasn't that great because like Brent said, I didn't really connect with any of them because I felt like it was a little, a little flat. And the thing that I ended up liking the most was just the ship. ship? (laughs) Yeah. It's a good ship. I think it's cool to watch on the big screen because you get to see the ship bigger and because the storms are neat and the sound is good. But I also think you could watch it at home on like half on your phone. And I don't know that you would miss that much. You know? Yeah, I guess that's, that's a good point. Yeah, I, I can't call this movie good or bad. Uh, it's the first movie all year where I felt nothing. I sat there. I took it in. I had no judgment on it either way. I wasn't like, oh, why didn't they do this? Or why did they do that? I just went, yep, that was a movie. And um, I don't know how to rate it at all. Just because I know I will never watch it again. (laughs) But it didn't bother me. It didn't annoy me. It's not obnoxious. No, not at all. It's not like they went for something and failed at it. Yeah. And it's not completely insane what they were going for. 
it's just a weird thing to go for. Mm-hmm. It's like the only thing I could equate it to immediately when I got out of the movie theater was like, I don't know, you're in the Midwest driving late at night. You're hungry. <laughs> there is a gas station that is open. You go in. It's a very limited amount of snacks. Nothing you grab is going to be mind-blowing. Nothing you grab is going to be terrible. It'll, it's just serviceable, I guess. So you kind of just ingest it and you move on. I don't know. It it was just boring. I didn't enjoy feeling bored. I did want to look at my phone so much, but I wanted to give the movie an, an honest chance. It, it felt just like a, a flat beverage that's supposed to be sparkly and effervescent. It's just, no, it's flat. I don't know. I, I, I can't even rate it. it it's a movie. Drac is back, dude. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, liked it a lot. I was very, I was sucked in. I th- honestly felt like I was in 1893. Um, and I, at some cases, I was like, yo, I'm in the boat. That's fucking gnarly, dude. Um, I really liked the chef guy. That guy was cool, though he tried to bail on the family <laughs> yeah. or on the boat people. I liked that guy, though. He was like so scared, but sadly, no one knew that this thing could fly. Yeah. Anyway messed up of dracula too like let him go no fuck that (laughs) he's rationing well i think it's like you know when you're all alone you drop food on the ground you're like i'm not gonna let this go to waste (laughs) no one's around me to like judge me if i eat this shit pick this shit contender up off the ground like this guy's gonna die at sea yeah drac knows that He's like, you might as well be nutrition to the Prince of Darkness at that point. Gobble, gobble. It's so mean, too, because he, like, pushed that boat back onto their boat. So, like, where did that boat go? And then, like, there's just blood and you shit. You dropped something. <laughs> yeah. ah, ah, ah. Like, just fucking with them, toying. Those nobody gets many more ideas. And, you know, kind of, I mean, uh, the, the cook guy, he's, like, devout Catholic or something. something. Like that, yeah. yeah, so he's, like, super deeply religious, so... I guess maybe you think he lives, but it's like, nah, Drac doesn't care. Yeah, He'll gobble doesn't. you up anyways. Man, if I was on that boat, though. Go on. We would have survived. Go Well, explain gotta... this. Okay. It's all, there's two runaway boats, apparently. Split the boats and set that boat on fire during the day, dude. Yeah. Dracula's dead. There you go. They had a lot of options. Yeah, there was there, yeah, the, 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 the funniest option I saw was somebody in Letterbox said, "Why don't you just put a crate on top of Dracula's crate?" And then Colin said, "And then you cover up the cool dragon insignia." Mm. Yeah. yeah, don't do that. It made yeah, sense. But he's like strong. We saw him. He burst through that. Yeah, he can that break through anything. There's all the more reason to. I like your one night thing. One night with Dracula, a sexy, <laughs> oh. steamy romance. Because yeah, if it's if you have all these days. They know what's going on. Like, bro, jettison everything. Mm-hmm. All hands on deck, quite literally. Find this goddamn Dracula <laughs> who can't come out of the day. Exactly. Because you during have the, several yeah. days to work they on this. They don't have a cell phone during the day. <laughs> they don't have anything to dick around with. You could spend an entire full daylight day finding this motherfucker with all hands on deck. Movie should have been one night. I agree with yeah. you on that. Should have been. Three hours though. <laughs> you think you want another hour on Director's that movie? Cut. Yeah, I want yeah. another. But like the way it was shot, seven days, whatever. How long they were on the voyage? Thirty days. Yeah. You, you got uh, you got anything else to add, Dylan? Oh no, Drac is back. That's it. Okay. Uh, Shortcomings is a movie directed by Randall Park, um, who I, I I didn't recognize from anything, and uh, written by written for the screen by Adrian Tomine and based on an Adrian Tomine graphic novel. 
in this movie. Um, ben, played by Justin H. Him, uh, is going through kind of a hard time with his girlfriend, uh, Miko, played by Ali Mackey. They're kind of like um, taking a break, but not quite. And she has like a deal to go for an internship in New York City. And they live in Berkeley. And those are the only two cities in America, by the way. Um, so she, the lady goes to New York City for the internship. And he tries to be a fuckboy, but he's not doing a great job at it. And he's uh, trying to get the lady to notice him, but she doesn't really care about him anymore. He's, he's really annoying, so she's not really texting him back. And he's crying on the shoulder of his friend Alice, played by Sherry Cola. She, she's going to New York for some reason. Oh, because she got kicked out of school for assaulting someone um and they play it that very playfully but anyways so of course when you're a berkeley student and you get kicked out you can just go to new york city no yeah. problem she flies to the only other city in the world and he's like whatever i'll go with you and kind of stalk my quasi girlfriend and uh see where things go from there so it's sort of like a romantic misadventures movie um you know i i, I talked about being partial to boring horror movies and draculas and such like as partial as I am towards that, I would say I'm borderline allergic to cutesy indie movie bullshit like this. Um, like it's, uh, I'm kind of impressed at uh, how well this movie communicates like the source material because I always thought Adrian Tomine was like a really poor man's uh, Daniel Klaus. Like uh, we have Daniel Klaus at home and it's <laughs> Adrian Tomine. And I, I can read his comics. I think they're fine. Like they're readable, but it's always a little bit groany. And it's like, I think they, they, his comics exist because there's people who just will not read a fucking superhero comic if you put a gun to their head. So instead of reading like, you know, Frank Miller Daredevil, like an A-class superhero comic, they'd rather read just like, you know, a pastiche of a pastiche of a 90s indie comic, which is what his whole uh, catalog is. And just like his comics are poor man's uh, Daniel Klaus comics. This movie is like a poor man's uh, ghost world or art school confidential, which were built on Daniel Klaus's books. And I was like, this whole fucking movie feels so 20 years ago. It's insane. Like 20 years ago, it would have been five years too late to make this kind of movie. <laughs> and they stopped making these kind of movies because they're so indulgent in their like, here's a bunch of dialogue. I'm a really neurotic person, but I'm kind of a bad person, but I'm not likable, but... I have problems with girls and insane. Like I can't deal with any movie that takes place in like a major city. If like 90% of the plot is like, how the fuck do we continue living here? Like as if there isn't like a complete fucking war zone over like trying to afford to live in one of these places. And it's not even a consideration in this movie. It's just like, oh yeah, I have an apartment in New York. You should come hang out there. Oh, this is a cool loft party out we're at with a bunch of people who apparently also don't work. Like, again, anytime you know people who live in those cities, they work like two hundred jobs, <laughs> or they're fucking like you know they have some giga insane uh, career career. In which case, they're not fucking hanging out at like themed nights at bars and like you know running around in these kind of circles this fucking guy like bro i'm sorry you can't fucking live in berkeley working at a movie theater that's the fucking fiction and that's why this fucking this kind of indie is so annoying because it just has like blinders on to reality like that would get in the way of your weird fixation on this bizarre kind of aesthetic if you had to take into account reality or 
any kind of problems that real working people have, you know? Not to fact check a movie that I didn't see, but my friend Ian and friend of the podcast, Ian, uh, has assured me that there are no movie theaters left in Berkeley because it is so expensive. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, since this movie is 30 years too late, maybe it's set in like right? <laughs> the past. And it is very much so a current movie. Like there's Instagram. There's yeah. like oh. a lot of stuff that's like it takes place here and now. And I don't know why they wouldn't just set it in like the 2000s it even has like this he's he's like he's simping over this girl uh he works with this um artsy lady and she does this like kind of noise rock band with this interpretive dance over it and of course the protagonist in this film is actually cool and smart so he's basically like giving the uh that just happened like look when this lady is doing her like crazy art it's like, this is so fucking hack. Like, this is some shit you would see in Ghost World, the movie. And like, yeah, when they're making fun of Blues Hammer or whatever, which was like, that was funny in its time, you know, but it's been so long since that style of storytelling or like that, ha ha, look at this thing that is different than me. That kind of humor doesn't work. Yeah. It is like, uh, again, maybe someone else would just find it mediocre. But for me, again, with my personal sensibilities this was like outright insufferable it was pretty bad i also just can't like a movie where it's like what what's the com what's the problem here <laughs> what is the issue uh this guy yeah he has like a really nice apartment with his girlfriend she's gonna get an internship so she's gonna go across the country He's like, I don't want to move. And she's like, I didn't ask you to go with me. And he's like, oh, well, I can't believe you're going to go. I'm going to go. All right. Well, what am I going to do? I don't know. Just stay at our really nice apartment that my dad owns. <laughs> and work your job yeah. that you have. And just do that. <laughs> and then so she leaves. And I don't remember them saying they were going to take a break until a little bit later when they like argue. But immediately he's like, all right, well, let me see if I can go date this girl I work with. Like, oh, that didn't work. Let me go see if I can date this other, like, just, girl, like, girl after girl. And I don't know if that's the point of the movie. Like, I think that that's, like, a, I don't know. That's an old-timey indie comic thing where right. it's, like, okay, now this guy's just going to show us all the crazy girls of Berkeley, right? <laughs> and the whole time, he's just, he's not a likable character. So you're just, like, I don't care what happens to him. He's mean. They're all obnoxious. Everybody's obnoxious. And then his girlfriend is like, what do they call it? Like a twisty mustache evil person. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like, okay, what at the end of the movie and the beginning of the movie, it doesn't matter. Nothing happened. Like, yeah. does he grow as a person? You don't know. You just watched for, you know, two hours, a bunch of people who you wouldn't want to know in real life on screen. Well, they're also just not believable characters at yeah. all you yeah. know again like if a lady's like i'm gonna go and take this internship and i'm gonna break up with you like she would just do, do that, that or say that, that. like there's you, you don't understand why she's pussy putting around the subject especially when she, apparently she doesn't like him very much because he's i guess portrayed as being like a messed up guy i don't know you don't know what any why are you being shown this stuff <laughs> yeah and on the ride home, we were trying to figure out, like, what is, is this? Is he supposed to be like a cool guy? Maybe like a Holden Caulfield type, where it's like, yeah, he does suck and he knows he sucks and everyone knows he sucks, but it's still about him. And maybe other people who suck can relate to the person, 
But it's like, fuck off. I don't <laughs> care if you act like in any way like no one acts like this. That's yeah. the whole fucking thing of the movie. And this is why they stopped making this kind of self-indulgent bullshit. It's not based in reality. It was maybe based in like the id of a 20-something young person in the early millennia, you know. But that kid is fucking more connected now. There's all this shit in the world that's changed and would whip all that bullshit out of a kid, you know? I guess it kind of has, like, you know, Adrian, Adrian Tomine's a middle-aged man, so he's, like, looking back at his life and portraying himself in kind of an unkind light. But that still leaves you with a character who you don't want to be around. Yeah. This is not for nothing here, but, like, a, a pretty significant part of the movie is this uh, Asian character, like, he's dating a white girl, and he's like, oh, we're like an interracial couple. But I'm like, the fuck? I've In Berkeley? Yeah, exactly. Thank you. <laughs> what? I can yeah. say that. <laughs> like, as a, and this is like a big point of contention with him and his, his friend, who's a lady, is dating this uh, New York lady, and she's like a professor, and she's a white-ish lady. And so he starts talking about like, my girlfriend broke up with me for a white guy and not like all this kind of stuff. I'm like, that doesn't happen. Yeah. I don't think people are stressing no. like interracial relationships in 2023. In Berkeley. I mean, there's like no. in Berkeley, maybe there's like some talk within the relationship about like power dynamics and hegemonies and shit. I'm actually sure, sure that happens a lot within the relationship, but not as an externalized. No, not at all concern <laughs> this guy's looking at us did you see that guy looking at us because we're an interracial couple at a street fair in berkeley again just uh, 20 years ago it would have been five years out of date it's a little bit fascinating as like a curiosity but it is i would say deeply unpleasurable to watch i have not read the graphic novel have you i know i have but it's also a long time ago and I get all of his stuff confused because it's all the fucking same. Well, I was wondering, because this is not something I would care to see as a movie, nor did I while I was watching it, but I was wondering if the comic would be, like, is there something about the art that would be um, redeemable in spite of the story? Be well, If the story is the same as the movie, would the art make up for it? Again, he's a, he's a, he's a talented cartoonist, like in terms of like body proportion and like how to tell a story. And I do think his comics are readable, but it is just like a pastiche of Dan Klaus's comics. And mm -hmm. Klaus will do crazy stuff. He'll go, he'll do like twenties style caricatures to like funny up a book or draw someone with an overproportioned head. He has a lot of tricks up his sleeve that give his comics depth. But if you think of like how the ghost world comic is, how it's presented straightforward, it's like that, but again, you take away the clever dialogue and writing, and you have someone doing a pastiche of that. I hate on his shit, but I've read almost all of his comics because they're all stocked in libraries. Because again, there's no strong guys punching bad guys on the front covers. It's also an old comic. Like back then, I think there's just such a hunger for non-superhero slice of life comics like this that it hit. But I don't think it's really worth reading or getting into but 45 minutes you can crack through this graphic novel quicker than you could the movie and i would definitely suggest that over the movie because <laughs> there's nothing in the film that's uh fun or cinematic even you know yeah judging from what you're saying about the comic i don't think it ever should have been considered <laughs> to be a movie and ghost ghost world as a movie happened so like oh 
if you got little baby Daniel Klaus, the fucking ankle biter, trying to bite homeboy swag. Sure, but that was a long time. <laughs> I know, ago. that's what I'm saying. <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. So yeah. you know, you if you make this movie at the same time you see Ghost World come sure. out, that's understandable. But there's no reason to greenlight this in 2023. Absolutely not. You haven't heard anybody mention Ghost World in a couple decades. <laughs> yeah, I mean the, the the Ghost World comic, I will still defend till my death. But the movie is it just hasn't aged well. This whole aesthetic mm-hmm. and style and approach is. I don't know. It's just, it's just mean spirited kind of, you know, it's like, I'm the cooler person and I'm look at all, look at this fat guy on the bus. He's dripping ketchup on him. What an idiot. What an ugly idiot loser. I go to thrift stores. I go to like, Jesus Christ. This is I fucking- think you nailed it. Yeah. Like, it doesn't account for the last 20 years yeah, exactly. of like cultural development to the point where, yeah, you can talk to any 11 year old. They'll tell you about five different art rock bands. Right, you know? right. Like, yeah. It's not that underground or that you know uh cool and hidden anymore there's a part where he said he's trying to date this girl he works at he works with and she's the art person he goes to her house uh which is supposed to be like (laughs) i didn't know people were allowed to live in here oh yeah it's like i don't know condemned or something but it's totally livable you just walk into like an apartment (laughs) yeah like a very nice apartment nice apartment there's nothing like run down about it or whatever and then uh he like walks in and there's a wall right in front and there's like all these pictures of a toilet like the inside of a toilet and uh he's like what is this and she's like oh i take a picture every morning of like my pee or something yeah in the toilet yeah it's a bunch of polaroids polaroids yeah just all posted up on this and he's like says it's weird or something and she's like uh that's actually really mean <laughs> like and he's like oh sorry so we're supposed to think this is like wow that's crazy she's yeah. taking pictures of the toilet it's not shocking at all you and don't like, care yeah and it's like benign to the point where it's like you just wouldn't you wouldn't say anything <laughs> there's a there's you know it's that movie um with tom hanks uh that thing you do mm-hmm. like that's like the kind of movie about a fictional band with a one-hit wonder song, right? But here's the thing. They did a song that you would believe could be a one-hit wonder right, in the 60s. Right, and then right, it was. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, had, it, it did chart. Uh, yeah. Shout out Fountains of Wayne, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. Yeah, yeah. So, like, if you do, you know, I'm the crazy art girl, you have to have art that's convincingly crazy, just like you need to have the snappy song that's sketchy. If that thing you do, that song sucked and didn't sound right, you'd be... That movie wouldn't work. The whole movie is hinged on here's a song that's good enough to be a one hit wonder in the 60s. Uh, <laughs> I'll just move on. I'm not dignifying this film with it either. Or this movie came up short oh. of being good. <laughs> Shortcomings. The end. Yeah. Same. <laughs> Dylan. Yeah. I'm tapping you in because me and you are the only people in this room. Possibly world. We don't know. No, there is another guy. We have confirmed one other person. So possibly as high a fraction of two-thirds of the people of the entire world who have seen the movie Dreamin' Wild, directed by Bill Polid, who has done uh, mostly like production stuff. It was written by Steve Kuritz and Bill Polid. I don't even know how to break down how insane this movie is because I've been trying to tell people about it. Not in a cool way either. Insane, like, what the fuck? Why did this get made? So, Dreamin' Wild is an album released by the the artists Donnie and Joe Emerson in, like, 1979. They put out a private press record 
that um, I would describe it as just kind of inept AOR. Like it's just a home recording and they were teenagers and it sounds kind of of its era. Just again, a kind of lo-fi accidentally psychedelic fuzzed out version of, you know, whatever classic rock was on the radio at the time. Um, You know, if I were to, let's just say, be the label that reissued it, I would be like, heavy outsider, rural, acid-damaged yacht rock that's fuzzed out and bizarre and otherworldly. It's really not that great of a record. And that's where my, that's where we begin. <laughs> so this is a movie that takes place in the year 2011. Again, this record was released in 1979. And it opens with Donnie Emerson, the main uh, songwriter of the duo, who were brothers, as you might have guessed. Uh, he's got a studio, he's struggling, he's making music, playing cover bands at like weddings and stuff like that, you know, just doing doing stuff. Um, he, he gets a call that someone wants to talk about the record that he w- released in 1979 and to meet back up with his brother, who we made the record with, at their family farm. They go there and I, in my... One of the most surreal moments in cinema this year. I think the most surreal moment is like, you know, a record guy or whatever to see this transaction mm-hmm. happening on screen. Like they're they're at the family farm and this guy goes, hi, I'm the guy from Lightning in the Attic Records. I love your album. I'd love to reissue it. Because <laughs> uh, it is, it had did get reissued on Light in the Attic Records around this time. And it caught like some buzz around the, the like 2010, 2011. Light in the Attic Records, it should be told, which they don't do in this movie. Like, they do, it's not necessarily outsider music, but, like, they released The Shags, let's say, or, like, Rocky Erickson. And Rocky is, you know, a, a really talented person. And The Shags record is, like, genuinely, like, cool and charming. But there is a level of kind of gawking that goes on with a lot of their releases. Or, like, um, they did the... Um, Rodriguez? They did the uh, Lee Hazelwood catalog. And like Lee Hazelwood is like a production genius, legitimately like completely progressive and out of this world. But if you don't necessarily have like an appreciation for that stuff, it's kind of weird to hear a guy singing like this over like kind of hazy, weird music. And most people react well to it. Um, But again, there's kind of a level of, won't go as far as say freak show factor in their reissues, but a lot of their reissues have that freak show factor. So when he comes and he's like, I love your record. I want to put it out. It isn't like you guys are such good musicians. It's like, this is kind of a freak show oddity album, which it kind of is. Um, they also did the Rodriguez stuff and that um, actually won a uh, Oscar for the documentary, uh, the sugar man. Rest in peace. I think he just passed away. He did right? just pass away. Yeah. And he was also a horrifically mediocre artist. Like yeah. he was just, you know, a, a, a mid uh, Chris Christopherson, but again, it's like lo-fi and it's weird enough and left to center. And if you don't know that it was part of this wave of singer songwriter, you know, earthy throated guys, you'd be like, "Whoa, this is so weird." Maybe <laughs> it's a blow your mind. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and that's somewhat how these kind of reissues, their success hinges uh, is hinged upon is not really having the full context of the record. Anyways, rant aside. Um, he, he signs the guys to, to reissue their record and like it, it's catching on, you know, pitchfork gives it a 9.2. What's pitchfork? This is a movie. This is a movie. <laughs> they oh say these phrases God. pitchfork gave it a 9.2. What's pitchfork? 
oh, it's online. It's getting a lot of buzz online. We don't really have the internet out here on the farm. And like, meanwhile, this guy's like running a studio and shit. Anyways, whatever. Um, <laughs> he's played by Casey Affleck, I should mention. Like, there's like real people involved in this. His uh, wife is uh, Zooey Deschanel, speaking of outdated indie aesthetic. Um, you got Walter Goggins, who plays the other brother, the the one that wasn't so invested in music in the group. And then the kids are, are kind of big. Jack Dylan Grazer plays young Joe Emerson. He was in It and Shazam. And you got a Noah, I want to say Jupe, plays young Donnie. He was in The Quiet Place. Anywho, so they have like actors and they're like doing it. It's not totally biopic style because it's not like linear. You know, you're kind of getting flashbacks to them recording the record, them working on the music at the farm. Then it cuts to the modern day and like Casey Affleck is uh, brooding like a motherfucker, which uh, Dylan, that's like his thing, right? In general? Yeah, Casey Affleck. I guess. He's a brooder? He does brood a lot. Okay. And they love it? The people? The people. Yes. They love it when he broods. Yes. All right. So you got Casey Affleck playing this troubled genius, just like, (laughs) I don't want to go back to those times. And I guess they invested a lot of money and and like sold part of their farm to like pay for this kid to kind of keep going with music. And of course, it didn't really work out for him. So he has a lot of guilt um, for that. And that's kind of compelling or interesting, I suppose. And um, now his th- his character's thing is like, I want to be playing the new stuff that I've been writing the past 30 years as an adult. But like, if you know anything about that, you know, freaky reissue scene, they don't want to... They, they don't care. They're there to gawk at you. <laughs> like, I don't mean to... I don't know how to say this without being mean, but like... You know, they don't respect you as an artist, but as a novelty. Yeah, they want to hear you. They like this record because your drum, your brother couldn't play the fucking drums right, so it sounds weird and warbly and off kilter, and like that's cool. But if you could play your shit right, it would just be another fucking, you know, George Harrison knockoff sitting on the shelf. It's not that good. It's because it's weird that people like it. So this guy's like, I want to get my new stuff heard, and like. He's, you know, all stressed out because people aren't like signing up for that or something. But it's not like there's a lot of pushback. It's just like, hey, we're doing Light in the Attic 10 years anniversary. We want you guys to play the record that we reissued because the crowd would like to see that. And it's not like he's like saying, don't you dare fucking play any new stuff. The guy from Light in the Attic is portrayed as very cool in this movie, like gives him a royalty check, treats him straight, promotes the record. His thing is like. We feel your record should be released the way a record should be released, not just pressed up and distributed how you distributed it. We're going to give it a press release. We're going to really promote it and all that, which they do. It's a cool label. I have no qualms. Like, Despite everything that sounds like I said, <laughs> I think Light in the Attic is a really cool label. It's fucking insane to me to be sitting in a movie theater where Mission Impossible is next door to me and hearing the <laughs> phrases, I'm from Light in the Attic and I really like to reissue your album. <laughs> That's fucking weird, objectively. Uh, Anywho, so so there's this somewhat conflict, I guess, because he's like, I want to play new stuff, and my brother isn't very good at playing, and I got to get him to play, and my wife, who I play music with normally, is helping out. There's a lot of nothing in this movie. There's a lot of no story, because it's not a very interesting story, and I think they knew that. And this guy who made the movie, I, I feel like maybe he was just really into whatever he saw in this story, and... 
I don't know, maybe started filming and didn't realize, oh, wait, there's nothing here. So this is just like, you know, 10-minute segments of this guy just sitting in the woods, listening to his music, brooding, looking out. And they don't play, and I know, this is how I fucking know that these guys are bullshit, because they don't play the actual record, like hardly at all. What? There's like mo- like real f- segments played from the actual recording. Most of it is like, you know, showing them playing the songs as kids rehearsing and stuff and so it's this strange dance going on where they're like because <laughs> if you play the record for a normal human being they're going to be like oh this fucking sucks if you play it to a weirdo record collector type they'll be like dude this is so fucked up this is like fuzzed out and like rural and loner fucking ariel pink did a cover of his, their song so like that should kind of tell you where you're in the zone of you know what kind of say no more <laughs> fucking um so it's like they don't play the actual record in the movie for that reason. And I fucking know that's why. I <laughs> <laughs> want you to know. Yeah, because it's recorded. I mean, you know, uh, again, I understand the appeal of the music and why I, as a weirdo record guy, am supposed to like it. But it's recorded like shit. And it sounds like shit. If you play this for the audience of supposed normal moviegoers and are like, this is the most beautiful, magical yeah. album I've ever heard. Jimmy Fallon is talking about this record. They're going to hear it and say, what the fuck is this? They're just kids dicking around. So they don't really play the record hardly at all in the in the movie. Instead, you hear like, here's my new stuff. It's weird, bro. This fucking movie is strange. It is, yeah, kind of fascinating. I'm glad I saw it because I think they, they gave this movie like maybe five showings and then yanked it out. You can't tell it for the sake of the audience uh, who's along for the story. Maybe there's a world where there are like big enough fans of this group. And again, I say fans with big old quotes because this is just like the shags are truly one of a kind. Like that is alien fucking music from an alien time. The the reputation that record has is 100% deserved. This is not the fucking shags, but it is maybe what you would put out if you wanted to chase that dragon Jesus. and find another kind of thing that's weird and off kilter yeah. and magical to gawk at. But again, you can't play that music in a fucking theater with Mission Impossible playing next door. Intuitively, it wouldn't work. But guess what? If the music's not good enough to fucking make it the forefront of the movie, like... Let's say, you know, uh, the Queen biopic, right? Where yeah. it's just like, here's a song you've heard. Here's a song you've heard. Here's a song you've heard. This is why you like the band. It's fun. You're driving sales for sure. Yeah. This shit is like, yeah, you know it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> so you can't play it. It's weird. Did they play any of his new stuff? Yeah. And it closes with them playing one of those songs live. And that's kind of the, the finale of the film of Conceit is like, okay, now that they have played this one off show... And I guess they're not going to go on tour because there was like talk about them going on tour. And the main guy is like, oh, finally, I'm getting recognition for my music and I'm going out and I'm going to make it now. He's like, never mind. I don't want to make it as on my old stuff. I want to play new stuff. And it shows them playing in a bar of locals and they're all enjoying it. And it shows like Casey Affleck and the um, the the guy from Vice Principals playing and then like it, the, the camera like goes past someone's head and then it switches to the the real guys. So you see the real current age Donnie and Joe Emerson playing. Yeah, again, it's kind of a just some regular music, just some music. And like the people, they're saying that they have found a place for these people in this small uh, (laughs) Seattle, not Seattle, but Washington town. They're appreciating their music, but they're playing it honest and pure and they're playing it from the heart for some reason. 
I was just hoping that they let them have something. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, if I was the guys in the band, if I was Donnie and Joe Emerson, I'm watching this movie like, fuck yes, they nailed us. Like, they make them look good. They make them look cool. Not cool like badass, but cool like, oh, you have some depth to you. What a charming little story. But this is a, this is a bigger why than that shortcomings movie mm-hmm. for me. <laughs> At least they're real people. They are real human beings. This is a real story, and it isn't as bland and cut and dry as, like, a biopic. Do you think if it was up to them, there'd be, like, explosions and car chases? I can't imagine it wasn't up to them partially. I, I, I think that's why the music isn't there. Oh, why they're not playing their... The, like, Dreaming Wild, the... The actual music, or yeah, why yeah. the music is... Barely there. Re-recordings. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because they're not... Like, don't fucking play. Yeah, don't play that shit out that we did when we were kids, even though that's the only reason anyone's here yeah. for this. I would like the Emerson cut to include like a bank robbery. We gotta fucking go, Donnie. Let's go. Yeah, Casey Affleck. That just, yeah. got, that just got me psyched. That's what I'm yeah. saying. I would watch the shit out of that's that. What I'm saying Casey Did Affleck in a heist movie. Yes, Affleck and the guy from uh, Venus from Sons of Anarchy. And this is all just tangentially connected to a weird like. Inept AOR records that they did in the 70s. I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) I I will say I really enjoyed the fact when once the uh, light in the attic was mentioned, me and Colin just looked at each other just laughing. Of course. I get it. But we couldn't laugh too hard because there was someone in front of us and we're like, what if this guy is from light in the attic? Or no, enjoying (laughs) this movie and we're just laughing super hard above him. This would have been a great just like ball busting movie, but there was one other guy in the theater, so we couldn't really cut, cut loose. They're very respectful. We're all like red and sweating from just like holding everything in. <laughs> like, fuck. I knew something was up when uh, you, you texted me a recommendation to go see it. <laughs> I was like, uh, I'll wait for Colin to flush out the other half of <laughs> You that really one. did that? <laughs> you were in the group chat. I yeah, said oh, you should go right. watch the movie. Yeah. It's really good. You're a bad man, Dylan. It is good. Anyway, I enjoyed it. I don't know that record. I still don't. Um, but like, you know, respect for art as an artist myself, I respect art. So overall, Dylan, is it dreaming wild or is it dreaming mild? What do you, what, what are you going to say for yourself? <laughs> um, you know, train wreck and novelty wise, this is wild because it is very fucking wild. And just, again, just connections of words I never thought I would hear mentioned in a multiplex um, and a lot of footage of like hey guys our reissue is here check it out and like glory shots of it like no. oh, oh a lot the vinyl record itself is not underplayed it's very prominent it's yes. basically got its own fucking listing like an ad yeah I mean it's as much you know what I think there was more more screen time given to the reissue slash original pressing of the vinyl record that this movie is based on, then there was the uh, Jordan 1 shoe that uh, the Nike Air movie was based on. Shout out to Casey's brother. Um, (laughs) So... Yeah, and that the the air movie was all about that Jordan one, yeah. and like it doesn't have as nearly as much screen time Not I think all, yeah. as uh, the the record was the, this was this movie funded by Light in the Attic or the you know I didn't get it? deep into that I th- I just get the sense that the guy who did this movie was really tough like he's done like three movies spread out one in nineteen ninety one in twenty fourteen and shit. one now and you have like real people behind it so I suspect it's like 
a real passion project of some sort. Uh-huh. Just the tone of the movie and everything suggests they really believed in this shit. It's like, what was that fucking Casablanca biopic we saw? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot the name of that one. I forget, too. Um, Solid Gold, right? Spinning Gold. Spinning Gold. gold. Okay. Yeah. That was like clearly a cash grab yeah. trying to get on the biopic trend and clearly made because they had access to the Casablanca Crazy songs. Crazy catalog, yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, hey, listen, if we just have fucking... Donna Summer song, fucking Kiss song, like song you know, song you know, song you know. If we just kill him with song you know, how bad can this movie fail? But this movie is very different than that. It doesn't feel cash grabby or like you know Oscar baity or cynical. Like oh, this will this will move units for us. It doesn't have that tone to it at all. It's just why the fuck am I watching this? Why does this exist? Like, this is a record that barely deserved its reissue. Like, it could have done fine as, like, one of those, you know, rare triple-digit anomaly 70s private press records that gets traded back and forth between collectors just fine without a posh reissue. But I definitely can't imagine they think that this would, like, sell more units of it. But what if this is the impetus for Big Brother Affleck to look at Little Brother Affleck and go, watch this, does a movie about Bridge Nine Records reissuing Agnostic Front. There we go. See, and I, I think the Agnostic Front biopic would be much more it, it is rife entertaining. With there's a, there's a story there. That's a fucking it's fascinating an story. story. Yeah, yeah. Can't compare the two. That's a, There's too much to tell in the Agnostic Front story. All yeah, it'd those, be part one. <laughs> yeah. All those tours and reunions and stories you can't tell in public like that's a this is the opposite of that there's nothing to tell right the fucking go nowhere <laughs> record why is this on screen it's why is this starring people who have names it's got the new girl in it that's what she was in right she's in the new girl yeah he brought out a ukulele at one point started apologizing I was like, she played the bongos. I don't think she played the ukulele. You know what sucks? I actually, I believed you when you said that. I said, said, yeah. I mean, like, I was trying to think. I was like, okay, he's making a joke because she does play the ukulele a lot in the new girl, but he doesn't even know what new girl is. So I'm like, (laughs) I'm just like, the fuck is he going at? Because I don't remember her pulling out, busting out a ukulele. Once she was hitting the bongos, like, because it was like a big part of the song. It's like, do, 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 That's a horrible bongo impression. But like, she's playing it like on screen. I'm just like laughing because it's like, Zoe Deschanel is playing the bongos on a, in a movie. In a That's movie. really funny, actually. Yeah. 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 And like doing backup vocals. Like, she is, this is, even, even that, it doesn't feel like it's just an ego piece, you know? For her? For her, no. No, I, no, think I don't she, think she cares. I, dude, I think she legitimately. Loves that shit. Oh, I, I just, good for her. It, it is one of the most genuinely perplexing. It's for the fans, bro. For the Emerson fans. But Light in the Attic fans. Uh, we want a Light in the Attic universal. That is true. Cinematic. I do want that. I do want, uh, you know, yeah. Rodriguez to come out and be like, I'm God, putting dude, together a team. So Rocky Erickson. What was the other one? The Shags. Yeah, Lee why Hazelwood. not put out a fucking Rocky Erickson movie before doing this? I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me if there was one <laughs> tucked away pro- somewhere. Yeah, yeah, That's a uh, point. That that gets too dark and depressing when it's like Casey can play Rocky Erickson. <laughs> you know that's not that's not a yeah that's not a bad point. Dude, that'd be a sick fucking light in the attic uh, cinematic universe where Casey uh, Casey Affleck plays every single person. Yeah, all the leads <laughs> makes his personal mission. Yeah, he plays Rodriguez. He plays every single person it, in the shag. It's gonna get really weird when we get to the Tokyo City pop comps. I'm just gonna leave it there. Like yeah. 
So did you say running wild or it's dreaming mild? This is a this is like a really <laughs> bad movie, but it is uh it is kind of fascinating. If you're again in a really weird niche world, but don't go to the fucking theater. Don't this is a terrible movie. Listen, if you're a fan of the Emerson brothers or records or music in general, I think you're gonna enjoy this movie. And if you're not, I think you're gonna like it too. Like I'm not a fan of Emerson Bros, but you know now I am because I watched his biopic and I learned a lot. Um, I'm sure the guy in front of us did too. Weirdly, um, I enjoyed it again. If you're a music fan, a music lover like myself, um, go ahead and give this a watch at home in the theater, whatever. Stream it, uh, torrent it, whatever. <laughs> you gonna reissue it? Let's do a, let's do reissue like a, the movie that yeah. just came out. <laughs> just came let's out. do a movie reissue label. Hey, we already we already uh, rebooted a sequel. We can we reissue go. a movie that's already at, that that is in theaters right are, now. Are we doing movies that like like fan films? Just whatever we think is cool. Old you know, movies. I watched uh, Rise of Planet of the Apes. I'd reissue that. <laughs> Rise of yeah. the, the big studio <laughs> movies. Yeah, I'd reissue that. <laughs> that movie's so sick though. For like, James Franco. Right, oh, that's right. It's good. Yeah, and then he's remember, remember when that monkey was uh, when Caesar was first like revealed, like as a YouTube clip. It's like two seconds, and it's just him like <laughs> right. looking all mad. And no. that was like a big thing, like before that movie <laughs> came out, because that no one knew if it was like an actual leak of the film or not. I don't remember that. Oh, God, you're a little fucking bitch, bro. The the third one is <laughs> War of Planet of the Apes, and I haven't seen it. Or I War saw it in the theater. Planet. Yeah. You have to buy it or something. Yeah. To see, that it. needs a reissue. The it's rare. was in the theater. I know. Yeah, we haven't seen it since it was. in Oh, the I'm sorry. Yeah. I thought you said I, they didn't show it in theaters. <laughs> it's like they did because uh, I remember walking out and my friend said that movie fucking sucked, and right behind us was a woman crying because Caesar. Spoilers for the Planet of the Apes movies. Did you see it? Uh, I saw it in the theaters, probably with your friend that said it sucked. So we walked out. My friend's like, says it super loud. That movie fucking sucks. This lady, old lady's crying. She's just bummed out that Caesar died. I believe that movie did fucking suck. I, I remember, that movie like, I was bummed out because there was no monkeys with guns on horses. Bro, those first, the Rise. That second one was sick. Yeah, what's the second one called? It's Rise and then Dawn. Dawn. Rise and Dawn go so fucking insanely and unnecessarily hard. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to reissue them, I've decided. And then they're making a fourth one, I just learned, that's supposed to come out next year. And is that after war, but before the real Planet of the Apes? Or? Yeah. All right. Wait, he's already dead. I don't know. Well, they could continue. That that little girl's still alive, isn't she? Is she dead? No. Well, I don't know. Oh, I can't yeah, see the third. I haven't seen the third one since it came out. It's been a long time. I just remember the monkey died. I'm just getting ideas in mind for what I'm going to reissue. Dylan. Yes. What are we, we What are we watching next? Unlimited. Yeah! Hey everybody, thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Regal Movie Masters Unlimited. Next week, we got the Blue Beetle. That's right, DC's favorite character is finally getting its own film, folks. Then we got Strays, a cute little movie about dogs played by Will Ferrell and Jamie Foxx, and I am really excited to see it. Then next, and maybe not least, who knows, movies be thrown out there randomly. We got Landscape with Invisible Hand. I have no idea what that movie is about, but I'm excited to be surprised. Anyways, everybody, we'll see you at the movies next week. Bye.